this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to the award-winning Interest in Health and Safety podcast, making health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. And now your host, health and safety specialist, mentor and speaker, Colin Nottage. Hi there, it's Colin Nottage here and welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. Today I'm talking about a topic that, that some people actually could find quite difficult because some because we just don't talk about it enough. And we're, we're talking about the menopause. And I was joined by um, four really great guys and an amazing lady called uh, called Beth Thorogood who's really championing menopause and trying to make menopause mainstream. And the guys, um, Matt, Matt Gindle, Paul Kilby, Paul Thompson and Lee Chambers are all brought slightly different... Um, there's slightly different learnings and experiences um, of of either being affected directly by the menopause, as Paul was, or having to, uh, you know, supporting our our wives and partners uh, going through the uh, going through the process, like myself and Paul Thompson were. Um, Lee is just a really, you know, a, a, a young guy, but just got a fantastic approach to to just well being and. Um, and you know what is what is really important, the really important things to this to consider and discuss in the in the workplace. And, and Matt was an employment lawyer, and so sort of brought the legal side to it. And um, we had a really great chat. Chat. Beth uh, recorded the episode, um, and uh, I think she's put it out on her podcast. Um, and I am about to play it on mine. So please welcome men talking menopause. Tonight's webinar is very much a facilitated discussion rather than any kind of formal presentation. Really what I wanted to do was try and get a few of uh, the men that I've met over the last few years while I've been uh, talking about menopause together to try and raise uh, the the subject of menopause from a male perspective. So for those of you who don't know who I am, um, I'm sure there are many out there who don't know who I am. My name is Bev Thurgood and I'm the director of Floresco Training Limited, which is a specialist menopause awareness in the workplace training company. And I've been running now for about four years. So I was actually doing this before Davina McCall hit the television screen with her groundbreaking documentary last year and, and got us all talking about menopause. I've been doing this now for four years and I've seen a, a, a real change in how people are willing how much uh, people are willing to talk about menopause. And I get asked a lot, what about men? What about men? What about the men's part in this? Do men have a a say in this? And I thought, well, yes, I think they do. And I think they should. Um, So I wanted to get everybody together tonight to hear it from the men. So I've got a a lovely panel of guests here. We've got, I'm just going to do some quick introductions. So as you're all spotlighted, if you can give us a little wave as I I, uh, say hello to you. First of all, we've got Lee Chambers. Lee um, is a psychologist and a workplace wellbeing expert and a vocal advocate for women in the workplace and a real advocate for male allies around the menopause. We met a couple of weeks ago um, at an event and I was really impressed by the way Lee spoke quite passionately about supporting women in the workplace as they're going through menopause. Next, we've got Matt. Matt Gindle over there. Give a wave. Matt is Hi. an employment lawyer um, and a law specialist, and he's going to be sharing some of his uh, professional expertise when it comes to yes. 
menopause in the workplace. And then we've got Colin. Give a little wave, Colin. We've got Colin Nottage. Colin's a health and safety consultant and a, a health and safety specialist, but he's also the husband of Tracy. <clears throat> is it Tracy? It is, isn't it? Because Paul's Tracy as well, and that's just thrown me for a second. Yeah, Two Tracys. Tracy. Not Tracy the same Tracy. Tracy. I quite, quite a common name I hear, but... <laughs> <laughs> popular, popular. Uh, so Colin's going to be sharing some of his experience of being married to somebody who's going through quite a torrid menopause. Then we've got Paul. Where are you, Paul? Give us a little wave. Paul's got a very personal story around menopause because actually he's, as a man, experienced the symptoms of menopause firsthand. I'm going to let him tell his story uh, in a little while because it's quite fascinating. And then finally, but by no means least, we've got the another Paul, Paul Thompson, who's also married to another Tracy. So this does get a little bit complicated. Two Pauls, two Tracys, not all connected, but Paul's wife, Tracy, also has had um, quite um, a few problems as she's managed her way through her menopause and actually not had a huge amount of support from the medical profession. So we're going to chat to Paul as well about the impact that's had on, on their relationship and, and on, on Tracy's ability to get the help that she probably would have uh, benefited from. So I'm just keeping an eye on the waiting room as people are arriving. So to kick off, I would really like to ask you, Lee, to, to get us started. Why is it important that men are involved in the menopause conversation? and, and what what's a male ally? Yeah, so from my perspective, obviously a lot of the work that I do on a regular <laughs> basis is running a workplace wellbeing and inclusion consultancy. And from my perspective, I get to see it, you know, quite often in work. I get to see it from a business perspective and some of the challenges that businesses face around kind of normalizing the discussion, being able to, you know, look at things holistically and actually see some of the challenges. And then when it comes to employee facilitation, I then hear some of the impacts both directly and indirectly. And because it's something that, you know, is guaranteed to impact 51% of the population and indirectly impact everyone at some point during their lives, it, for me, is a little bit of a no-brainer that we should become more curious. We should definitely look to be able to, you know, reduce the stigma together because, no matter what you know area that I'm looking at in my kind of work around helping SMEs to build strategies around inclusion, it's so often those who are directly impacted through lived experience that are actually fighting to be able to build awareness and acceptance and understanding around the specific topics that impact them. And we've got to actually start to look at as a human species, we should be supporting other people's challenges. It might not directly impacts us but we can actually learn an awful lot by taking a little bit of curiosity and a little bit of understanding starting to learn for ourselves because it's not you know and it's not a woman's responsibility to teach a man about the menopause you can actually go and do a little bit of self-education that foundational bit of knowledge can be really powerful in helping you support other people whether that be you know, your partner, it might be people who you work with above you, next to you, below you. It might be the wider, the wider perspective of people that you encounter on a daily basis. It just builds your awareness about what other people might be going through. And men often don't have a real tangible appreciation 
for what it's like to go through anything from you know menstruation all the way through to menopause men and i know that personally we don't really have anything that's monthly to relate to in the same way unless we've ended up in specific medical positions to have to do so so from my perspective bev it's really important that we actually start to look at what some of the impacts are in society because it's creating unfairness in business because a lot of the gender parity challenges and the the gender inequity is caused by a lack of awareness of things that are impacting women directly so it's something that we should all look to start to be more curious about and actually start to consider we are part of normalizing those conversations and sometimes that requires us as men to be a little bit more courageous a little bit more brave and as you referred to me earlier a little bit more gobby did i how rude how rude <laughs> so so how can we do that i mean i i, I get that uh, your passion behind this that men need to perhaps take a little bit more responsibility for educating themselves I mean, I, I love the word compassion. Somebody just mentioned in the chat, you used the word compassion, uh, uh, curiosity, I beg your pardon. And I, I tend to, I like things to be simple. Maybe it's my menopausal brain. But I like that kind of four C's that I think people have to be, they have to be willing to have the conversation, first of all. They've got to be open to having sometimes uncomfortable and embarrassing conversations. Um, but they have to, if they come at it from compassion and curiosity, then actually it's going to to um, open the doorway to to reducing any embarrassment. What do you think men can do at a practical level to to be an ally? And what does that even mean? So I think so much of that is to actually really start that curious journey of your own vulnerability as a man, because so often it actually requires you to be able to step into things that are a little bit uncomfortable to actually start that journey of allyship and start to take those steps towards being more open and more understanding to both your own challenges and other people's as well. So those practical steps so often start with just a little bit of understanding about the people around you and how you can start to consider, you know, the different, the the way it impacts, you know, people differently because it's not a one-size-fits-all situation it actually manifests quite differently in different in different people so it's not like you're having to learn a a strict routine it's actually starting to get an understanding of how it might impact which then gives you that little bit of awareness to start to see you know more and it allows you to also see and understand a little bit more about yourself and a little bit more about the people around you how things might be being impacted it allows you to start to see and understand how within the people that surround you how the smallest of reasonable adjustments and the smallest little bits of support should they need it can be really powerful but it actually starts to get you into a place where if you see someone you know struggling you actually start to think you know how can I support you're more likely to ask that question about is there a way that I can support you and instead of honing in on the problem and honing in on the symptom we actually start to take a step back and get curious about how we can you know enable or empower the person who is facing a particular challenge so it kind of quite often starts with questioning ourselves 
to allow us to start to proactively question others. And I'd say the big things are to listen to other people's experiences. I know this, and I can say I've been like this in the past as well, where someone starts talking about something that you know is not going to impact you and you kind of just sit there and you switch off. But it's one time where actually, if you're able to actively listen and really start to be able to almost feel what the other person's feeling, it really helps you in starting the allyship journey because just for a moment, you can start to conceptualize what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. Brilliant. Thanks, Lee. What if we get this wrong, Matt? What if the men aren't listening and they're not doing uh, the, the things that Lee's spoken about and getting curious and putting reasonable adjustments in place and, and asking how can we help? What, what are the consequences potentially? Um, well, the consequences for employers can be quite quite serious because there are a number of potential claims that employees can bring. Um, there are uh, various claims that employees might be able to bring, such as, for example, disability discrimination. Um, this would usually only be a claim that an employee could, could bring if obviously um, the symptoms are severe because they'd have to come within the definition of, uh, of disability. Um, which is a, a physical or mental impairment, which has a substantial and long-term adverse effect on their ability to carry out normal day-to-day -day activities. Something like concentration, for example, would be a, a normal day-to-day -day activity. Um, and if, if, if um, an employee came within the disability uh, definition, then the employer must not discriminate against, uh, and that would also include making reasonable adjustments. And obviously there would be a number of adjustments that employers would have to consider depending on the situation. And um, they could be, for example, allowing flexible working or allowing um, a woman to have more time off, uh, or for example, uh, to make performance targets uh, different. Um, so there are a number of adjustments that, 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 that might be appropriate. So that's disability discrimination. And then there could be age discrimination where someone is treated differently because of their age. And um, it could be could uh, there could be a claim brought for sex discrimination, um, where, for example, um, menopause wasn't taken into account with, um, with a, a woman's performance. But in that case, you'd have to also you'd also have to look to, to see whether the um, a man, for example, would have similar, um, if a man had similar symptoms, whether they'd be treated in the same way or not. Um, there could also be, for example, a claim for unfair dismissal. So where an employee has got more than two years continuous service, um, they may be able to bring an unfair dismissal claim, for example, where an employer failed to make proper inquiries, for example, didn't... Um, uh, pursue an occupational health inquiry, for example. Um, so there are, you know, various claims that that employees can bring, and employers, you know, uh, need to be aware of that from a from a, from a legal perspective. And there's a number of cases already sort of set a precedent, aren't there, around um, all three of those protected characteristics? Yes, there have been cases, and they're actually the numbers are increasing. Um, I think in the last few years, there have certainly been more cases where the, the menopause has been um, uh, an issue that employment tribunals have had to, to address. 
Um, so, uh, but I, I think there's another important point, which is that irrespective of the law, um, employers um, need to, to take into account um, and, and, and make sure that menopause is on their agenda. Because of course, um, by um, dealing with um, such matters, um, employers are able to boost productivity and retain talent. And that's irrespective of the law. So, um, you know, em employers need to look at a bigger picture as well, because if they are looking after their workforce and they're picking up on, on issues um, that, that are affecting many people, they're going to retain top talent, which otherwise um, they're going to lose. Absolutely. I, I guess the law should be the, the, the stick that we don't really want to be beaten with. We should be getting it right for the right reasons and not because yes. we want to stay on the right side of the law, isn't it? You know, I, yes. th there's a figure going around at the moment, which I don't doubt, which is that 900,000 women a year are leaving the workplace because they're not feeling supported by mm. their, their employer, by their manager. And that's a huge impact financially, but also that loss of female talent is it, you know it's it's going to have an impact on productivity it's going to have an impact on performance and and, and on the bottom line ultimately isn't it yes yes yeah. so uh, yeah i think yeah employees uh, have to to, to 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 you know to take into account a lot of business matters as well um to, to retain talent um and and to, to make sure that you know they maximize productivity Brilliant. I think, you know, I, I also think, speaking as a woman in a room where I've got a, a, a panel of men in front of me, I think we have a responsibility of, as women to make it easy for you guys to be able to broach the subject of menopause with us and not take offence if somebody, you know, says something with the best of intentions but doesn't quite use the right terminology or, or, or mm. doesn't quite come across in, in, the, in the ideal way. Paul, talk us through, you know, your, your, the impact menopause has had on you and Tracy because for me, I'm, I'm very aware that, you know, there's, there's a, 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 an easy solution to this. We get good medical care and we're able to continue working because we get our hormones replaced through HRT and everything in the garden is rosy and that would be ideal. That's not quite the experience you and Tracy have had though, is it? Well, I know Tracy, she actually um, had symptoms probably about 10 years ago. She was in her early 40s and doctor male doctor he said you know tracy tracy thought it was menopause she said doctor i think i've got menopause it's come early um, he said no 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 you're talking rubbish come back in 10 years time and it kind of he kind of poo-pooed it off for the next almost 10 years until she spoke to a lady doctor who sympathized with her said no you are going through per per perimenopausal you're at that stage and uh, gave us some right treatment but it was a good 10 years of suffering because the the male doctor he, he just kind of ignored it and so I think he put her on antidepressants, said, I'll take these instead. Um, obviously didn't help the menopause at all. Um, and it's just, and you kind of think, as, as Lee said, you know, it affects 50% or 51% of the population, but actually does affect everybody because we're, we're with the, our wives or partners. And so it affects everybody. So it's, it's crazy to think that the doctors don't see this and, you know, help, help everybody out really. It's um, quite strange, I think. So what, what sort of impact, if you're happy to share, did it have in terms of your relationship? Was it, was it 
uh, was it fraught at times? Was there? Yeah, and I think she would probably say, oh, it's the menopause. I'd say, you know, it's not, you know, get over it kind of thing, you know, because the doctor said it's nothing. So you kind of almost believe the doctor, but well, we don't really in a way, but, you know, it was her battling against me and her symptoms, I suppose, which, you know, it does put a strain on things because, you know, if she's depressed, doesn't want to do anything, you know, feeling a bit lethargic. Um, but it's, it was the symptoms, but, you know, it, it, she wasn't diagnosed with it, which made it all harder to sort of um, work with, really. And, that, and that, that is a challenge in itself, isn't it? And is she now getting the help that she needs? Is that, is she, that She's working? a lot better now. She's got some good medication. And, um, yeah, she's kind of back to where she was, you know, 10 years ago. Mm. So, it, but 10 years is a long time, isn't it, to be, yeah. to be going through the, the challenges of, you know, and, and she works as well. She's yeah. a working woman. Yeah. So the impact of that, what were her symptoms, just out of curiosity? Um, I think it was, she was lethargic. She had no motivation. She was tired and kind of irritable. Um, you know, not almost not great for me to be with it sometimes because the symptoms weren't good and it wasn't, you know, wasn't a pleasant relationship a lot of time. What would have helped you, do you think? Would, would education I, for you have made a difference? Yeah, I think so. I think if the doctor did diagnose and did proper tests, you know, when she first went to him, then it kind of, and I'm, I'm probably got me in with him as well, you know, just said, right, this is what's happening to you, to Tracy. Um, this is what's going to happen. This is what we're going to do. And it's, it's natural. Um, happens to, you know, all the women really. That, that would help just some reassurance from the doctor, you know, from the medical profession, say that it is normal. And um, just, yeah, just reassurance, really. What, what That's not her. It's not a one-off. It's, it's the menopause. What, what were your feelings? Did you feel, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm, I'm, I know that you are a real advocate for kind of supporting mm. her as she's gone through this. I guess you must have felt a little bit helpless, maybe? Yeah, I just want some help. I mean, she kept saying, oh, I've read this, you know, I can get some private help. And then she'd go back to the doctor. He wouldn't refer her. And it was just kind of going in circles. And it was just um, the lack of help, I think, really, um, which you know, it's, it's not a new thing. It's, it's, I, I can't really get my head around why it hasn't been, you know, they say it's, it's, not a, it's not a disease, it's a symptom. So, you know, kind of get over it, really. But it's, um, it's not the right answer. No, no, we do have to recognise that, you know, women's reproductive health has been absolutely under-researched uh, throughout history really and it, that, that's kind of coming to the fore now anyway the, you know we know that there are at least 35 symptoms and they're very diverse they're they're, they're hugely disparate symptoms you, you've got everything from the, the archetypal hot flushes and night sweats and getting a bit tearful and, and a bit snappy right through to severe joint aches and muscle pains and urinary tract infections and migraines and headaches and itchy skin and low libido and uh, dizziness and tinnitus and the, 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 you know, the, the, the range goes on. And it, that can be really challenging, I think, in a relationship because all of a sudden you've got this, this woman that you've been married to who's suddenly turned into a hypochondriac because she's got all of these different symptoms that she can't explain and she thinks she's going mad because of brain fog is, is kind of clouding clouding her ability to, to think clearly and concentrate. What about you, Colin? How did it, you know, you, you've also kind of had to deal with, uh, with a Tracy who wasn't dealing great with her, with her symptoms. What was the impact for you? 
Yeah, no, um, it, it's um, it's really interesting because you know Tracy was was relatively young as well. She was in a um, you know, sort of mid mid forties, I think. And and I think one of the things I, I'd never, I suppose, I'd never been exposed to to somebody who was going through that that I was aware of. You know, it had been my mum. You know, my mum obviously. It was just something I, I, w- I wouldn't have a clue actually when my mum went through the menopause. You know, it was uh, um, my sister is a little bit older than me, and she um, she went through it probably about six months before Tracy. We, we, I started, well, Tracy started to tell me actually. You know, Wendy's, uh, you know, Wendy's starting to have hot flushes, and uh, you know, and there's a couple of times that she'd she'd sort of flooded when we were out and things like that, which is all very, you know, extremely embarrassing for uh, for her. But it was um. You know, I suppose it was, you know, it was, I, I, I suppose I started to notice when, you know, when we, we started, I suppose, to communicate a little bit differently and, you know, and it wasn't as, you know, the, the relationship wasn't as, as loving. You mentioned about low libido, you know, and, and Tracy used to, you know, she was sort of saying that, um, you know, there was times that she felt really guilty, you know, because we, you know, maybe we weren't making love or whatever it was because, you know, because she, she didn't want to. And, um, and and sometimes you know you, I suppose you look at yourself and you think oh is it something that I've done wrong and it really is it's just part of and but because I wasn't aware and I didn't know about it and I love I love what Lee said at the at the beginning about you know it's not it's not a woman's responsibility to to educate a man but um you know and that's that's something I I hadn't done enough of I hadn't found out anywhere near enough about the uh, about what was happening and um and I suppose you know one of the things that I'm I'm now doing. With my children, I've got three. I've got three, uh, three boys and two, two daughters, three sons and two daughters. Um, and um, you know, it's about making sure that that my sons are really going to be res- supportive. You know, if they are in that in that situation, and, and that's that's one of our responsibilities. I think is to pass that is to pass that on. But from a, you know, I think you know, I, I've also you know, so so from a personal side of it, you know, it was it was really difficult. It was really funny actually, Tracy. Uh, <laughs> We, we were in a room once with some friends and she um and she left the room and she went upstairs and uh, and I went up and I said are you okay and she just said she goes um she goes I wanted to kill you but you'd done nothing wrong and <laughs> and I went right she goes I just I just I, I was looking at you and I it was like I hated you and 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 you've done absolutely nothing wrong but it's just how she felt at that particular point in time and she was she was just I suppose strong enough to to actually have walked away from the situation. And, uh, and I'm glad she did. Um, but um, but she's, I mean, I mean, she's amazing. I mean, you know, she's sort of come through, come through the process. I mean, she had a hysterectomy as well. Um, it's come through and, and and out the other side. And she's just getting stronger and stronger and stronger as an individual. And she's just, she's 50 now. So she had a 50th birthday a couple of, a uh, couple of weeks ago. And uh, I mean, she's just an amazing person to, to be around. So, yeah. you know. And, and you make, you know, I, I don't know if you meant to make the point, but you do make a really valid point. Um, and, and Paul, you, you said similar, you know, we come through this, this is a transition. It's not, um, it, it's not that we're changing forever. It, there is a transitional period as our hormones are fluctuating and changing mm-hmm. and it's chaotic and it, it can feel a little bit like we're out of control. What, when, you know, when, when Tracy said that to you, I just wanted to kill you, but I don't know why. How did, how did you feel about that? What was your reaction? It was, um, I, I suppose, I, I was shocked, but I, also I wasn't because because I, I was, I was you know, I, I knew more about what was happening at that point in time. That's why when she left the room, I went up to see how she was because I was I was aware of how she was. And so, you know, but, but um, no, I mean, it's, you know, it was, uh, it, 
I don't know how I felt. I just we I suppose make make light of it now, but at the time, at the time, it was really important. It's a, it a really important discussion to have, and it was almost like a bit of a um, you know a bit of a moment for us to to look back on and actually and actually sort of joke a little bit about you know and you know because that was part of the process that that was that was helping her on her journey. I suppose. What what I'm hearing from both you and Paul actually is the willingness to to take a step back and and try and learn and listen and not. Mm be the solution to a problem because we're not broken we don't need fixing we just need a little bit of kind of understanding and support while we're going through this confusing time anyway so what what would your what would I guess what would your top tips between the, the two of you I will come to the other Paul in a moment because your story is fascinating uh, but for Paul and Colin what would be your your tips for other men who are maybe having to deal with somebody who's telling them that you know I looked at you and I wanted to kill you. <laughs> I go first. Eh? Yeah, yeah you go uh, first. <laughs> um, don't um, d- don't let her near sharp knives. <laughs> 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 no, no. I think it's you know I think it's really um, uh, you know it's it's about it's just about being supportive and not and not take I think not taking things personally. Um, you know it's and it's about um, I suppose it's just about it's about talking, communicating. You know ultimately you know the, the relationship that you want to have with somebody that you that you you love is, is one that's just open and honest and transparent and and so you so you just want to talk about things and I think you know I think this the whole process has, has allowed us to to become better communicators actually you know because we talk about we talk about everything absolutely everything and it's you know and it's just and and taking time I think one of the things I would say is is take time we're everyone's busy take time in your busy lives to actually just spend time talking to each other and and allow the other person to to talk <laughs> don't do all the talking yeah. you know go that that's that's probably my tip yeah i mean communication is the root of everything isn't it if you can, mm. if you're not communicating and you're not understanding you, you, i think you said earlier Lee, didn't you that just listen listen to learn rather than listen to to fix a problem mm. um, okay so no no knives keep the knives out of the way Paul, what would your tips be in, in, in terms well, of kind of... I think very much what I'm saying, just communicate. And I think the listening, because we, we don't understand what's going on. Um, and, you know, our partners don't really that initially know what's going on either. So it's just being with them. And I think probably like Colin, I actually feel closer now to Tracy than I did before, really. I think we've come, as a couple, we're, we're stronger now than we ha- ever have been. And I think that's probably locked down to the menopause and the talking and the communicating, you know, on the bad days, you're still there. And um, just listening and, you know, being there for them, really. Do you need to be listened to as well? Do we need to listen more to you and how you're feeling? I think this? I think we do. It sounds very, it's listen to me. But it does, it does affect men as well. You know, I, I know, it's, I'm not saying that we, we don't, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, it's easy. Sorry, it's hard for us. But um, we are getting a constant bombardment from the people we love or the person we love. Um, and it's not a nice comments a lot of times so um you know we've got a, a brave face in it all the time and and i'm trying to think how to phrase it properly um it, it, it is hard for men as well basically yeah i think it is hard for us as well not half as hard as the women but um it is hard but but we know what they're going through but we do now a bit more we didn't initially but um i think the communication and standing helps us become better husbands as well yeah and I think you know. Sorry, also, um, you know, I, I, again, you know, we were just chatting briefly before we came on, but 
I've become much, much more aware of my my male friends who who, who are who are are not being supportive. I can just see it, and so you know, so I just see a response. I've got a responsibility to have a word and have a word with them. So that's what, what, are, what are they doing? Is it is it banter? Is it dismissing? I think dismissing. Dismissing, yeah. I think. I think that's it. Maybe a bit of banter, but for me, I think the thing I see is dismiss, dismiss, dismissing. Yeah. It's an interesting one. So, you know, I think humour is really important throughout this. Humour is important whenever you're going through something that's difficult. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes I think the the, the humour becomes almost belittling and a little bit um, condescending if we're not careful. This, but it is, it is about having that empathy and that compassion. Thank you so much. I'm going to move on to Paul because I think I would really love, we've talked about what it's like to be on the receiving end as a man of uh, somebody else's symptoms what's it like what's it like to go through the symptoms yourself hello can you can you hear me all right i'm off mute hello well fact yes i will i will answer that question but first of all lee can i say your opening statement was bang on absolutely spot on summed up a lot of of what i felt and, and what i know to be true so thank you for that 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 needed saying yeah, I mean, just, just, I don't know if everyone knows you. I basically, very quickly, I, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer about seven years ago. Uh, for various reasons, it was decided that they would put me on a holding pattern as such. I put the cancer, it's, it, 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 it feeds, it grows on testosterone. So they put me on estrogen. Uh, and just, just to show how little I knew or how little I cared, and that's what I think the problem is. It's an education problem for men. Don't blame them. It, 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 it's, 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 I think it comes down to education. The doctor did say to me, it's highly likely you will go through the menopause. And I went, yeah, fine. That's literally with a, yeah, fine. It, it was just another, yeah, it, it's nothing. Uh, so I, I had uh, the symptoms I remember were hot flushes. Uh, and they would come on at a time whenever I was a little bit stressed. So if I was late for a meeting uh, and I got there just in time or maybe a few minutes late, I would be drenched in sweat, which made work really hard. Uh, I would also have them at night so that you'd you'd wake up with a hot flush and take the covers off or the duvet off, fall back asleep. Then the sweat would dry. You'd you'd be shivering and you'd wake up again. So you you, you weren't getting any quality sleep. I already suffer with not great sleep. So that that was another... Apart from all the hormonal, the highs and lows, you've got all these other pressures piling on you. And it can just it can just feel overwhelmed with it all. It's just one thing after another. And the trouble is, men, it, it, and, I, and I, I, to my eternal shame, I have to say, through lack of education, I just thought it was just trivial. I, I, I know, and not myself, but I know other men who, who say, oh, she's going through the menopause. And uh, as, as colleagues, it... You get an eye roll. Oh, you know, like mm, she'll sort herself out, and it's down to education. But now I've been through it, I realise just what a how what a big deal it is, and how impactful it is uh, to go through it. I know you mentioned as well. So at the time you were working as, yep. if I remember rightly, an, op- an operations manager in a in a factory setting. Well, I, I work for a, man- a cardboard box manufacturer. Yeah. They were fine. I've got no issue with them. They, they they were very supportive. And also my job was quite flexible in, in the sense that I kept my own diary. So I didn't have to be anywhere at any particular time anyway. So it didn't really impact a lot of what I could do. I could do from home or if I needed a day off, it wouldn't it wouldn't matter that much. But they give you that flexibility, which is, which is great. But I remember you talking about 
there was a couple of things I remember you, you sharing with me. One was the the high emotions that yeah. you hadn't experienced before, that sort yeah. of um, real sort of tearfulness at yeah. times and, and quite, I guess, what you would call potentially feminine emotions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And also a sense of sort of a, 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 a central memory talking about this sort of inner sense of intuition and, yeah. and being able to read situations that you didn't think you yeah. would have picked up on before the hormone treatment. Yeah. Talk us through that. Yeah, well, well that's, that's, I touched upon that when I said don't blame men because partly they're not educated about it and they should be. I, I'm not, I'm not uh, denying that. But we don't, men, we don't have anything even close to this hormonal high and low I guess our hormones would take us like this if you could picture them on a graph but I, I was it was up here down there it was just off the scale I've never known anything like it uh and what what was your other question oh yeah the, the intuition yeah I felt her uh, th this sounds looking back now but I definitely felt it at the time almost like I had this extra superpower because I could always become very perceptive about people. I, I would pick up quite quickly whether I liked them, whether I trusted them, whether I thought this this was a decent person. It sounds strange, even me saying it now, but I know at the time, uh, I, said, I, I, I was married to a woman then, and certainly many times, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm divorced now, I'm not saying I'm not married to a woman now, I, I've got a partner now. But um, I remember several times she would say to me, oh, I don't trust that person. And often down the line, maybe a few months, a few years, she often was proven to be right. So it's just strange that I, I, I can't explain that. I don't know if that's part of what the hormone does to your brain or activates parts of your brain that, that men just don't have access to. Well, certainly I didn't as a, as a man. And I've lost that now. I don't have that anymore. I would never claim to be perceptive of anyone anymore. Mm. So, I think, I think it, it, it probably is true. And we're starting to learn now much, much more about the role of hormones in the body, not just the female body, in the men's, in a male body as well, because we all have all of these hormones. But we are starting, I think, from a medical point of view, to see the impact of hormonal fluctuations and hormonal changes. Um, and I think one of the key messages um, from a workplace point of view is, you know, we don't, as women going through menopause, and we, we have those symptoms that we've talked about, it doesn't detract from the fact that we're, we're able to do what we need to do in spite of all of those symptoms. Um, we still can perform well. And, and we, the danger is that we start to raise more awareness about menopause and almost stick a label on, on women as being you know, defective in some way as they're going through menopause. But actually we've got still all of those, those superpower, I love that word, by the way, I'll take that one, superpowers that maybe um, come with the the, the, the the estrogen that we have in our bodies and we don't lose that we just lose we, we potentially have some sort of other bumps in the road that we have to deal with I really want to go back to Colin and, and pick on you uh, from a professional point of view not pick on you but pick up on your professional uh, side so in terms of the workplace then if we've got women who are struggling with things like insomnia and night sweats that are disrupting their sleep and they, they're, they're exhausted, they're, they're fatigued, they're, they're not, you know, their brain function isn't as sharp, perhaps. There is a, a legal um, implication around health and safety, isn't there? Perhaps, mm -hmm. Matt, you can sort of come into this as well. Mm -hmm. What can employers kind of do in terms of reasonable adjustments or risk assessments uh, to... to to mitigate any potential legal proceedings, if you like, if they okay. get it wrong. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, you know, it's again, great question. And, um, and I think, um, you know, again, just going back to Lee's point, you know, about, you know, it's not a woman's responsibility to educate a man. It's also not their responsibility to educate an employer. Okay. But if you actually, if you actually sort of go, well, where, where would an employer go to, to find out what is the, uh, the sort of their health and safety responsibilities in relation to, to menopause, you could say, right, we'll go to the HSE website. And so, so I did. And I went and had a look on there and, and it was appalling. It was absolutely appalling. Basically, all that came up was a, was a, a, a PDF, a document about old people in the workplace. You know, there's better guidance on the HSE website about how to deal with smoking at work, okay, than there is about how to deal with the menopause. So it's so it's it's quite difficult for 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 employers to 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 to, to go and, and find something something from a health and safety perspective. And it's great. I just see somebody's got. ACAS is much more helpful. There are loads and loads of websites that are more helpful. But just going back to again to some of the stuff that Lee was saying at the, at the beginning was just about this 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 communication. You know, companies that are really successful from a health and safety perspective are not ones that have got loads and loads of procedures and policies and documents and and stuff telling people how to do that and this and that. The ones that are really successful are the ones that that, that build an environment of openness, honesty, trust you know, and can communicate well. And so, and so it's just really important that, uh, that an employer just, just takes the time to talk, um, you know, about two individuals. And you, you said this, there are so many different ways that it can affect individuals that you can't have any one size fits all. What you've got to do is you've got to talk to the individual and you've got to, you've got to adjust the way that you, that they, that they're allowed to work in a way that doesn't, that doesn't limit them, you know, and, and, and in actual fact, it's, you know, it's, 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 if it's so important to, you know, to get a, a good relationship and, and to, to get, you know, to get people that, that feel cared for, you know, because they, they, they will then be, be so, so much more productive. So, you know, so, it, you know, it's talking, it's, it's back to talking and, you know, and coming up with, coming up with solutions that, that fit the individual, fit around the individual. And I guess if they get that bit right, the chances of ending up um, in, in that's, uh, area of the world of actually being taken to tribunal and having to 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 kind of put things right after the event gets so much easier what are the implications if they don't get the health and safety piece right matt um well i mean obviously um the if if they don't um get the health and safety right there are risks of of um, prosecution but i haven't come across cases myself on health and safety breaches relating to to the menopause um i don't know whether colin you've come across any uh, i think i think i think you know the way i'd look at it is you know some of the things that you were talking about um bev you know fatigue tiredness you know if you've got if you've got somebody that's, that's operating a piece of plant or equipment and they are they are get tired they're fatigued and they end up having an accident and and you as an employer haven't taken mm. that into account then there's going to be some responsibility going your way, but more importantly, the individual might be hurt. You know, somebody, somebody might get 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 seriously injured or killed, and you know, and it and it's and it's all it's all so avoidable. But but what you know, you know, I look on, you know, I, I see I see risk assessments, okay, that businesses do, and I hardly ever see menopause as a, as a, as anything on the risk assessment. And I'm not saying you know it's 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 it should be considered in amongst all the other things. That people are having to deal with when they go into a work you know into the workplace and so you know i think the, the important thing is just to make is just to make employers more aware that that, that this is this is something this is a an important 
a topic to, to such a big part of their workforce and and it's and it's often just overlooked you know and and people are seen as difficult rather than rather than you know actually being supported yeah I, I think you know I can understand a manager's difficulty in putting in place risk assessments for menopause if potentially you've got a woman who doesn't even realize she's got menopausal symptoms mm-hmm. um how, how do we balance that you know in terms of i'm i'm a manager male or female is irrespective you know irrelevant i'm a manager and i need to create a risk assessment or do a risk assessment mm-hmm. for somebody who is menopausal and i don't know what menopause is and they don't know that they're menopausal but if we get it wrong we could end up it's really know, easy you know on the wrong side of the law um you know at the start of a day, at the start of a shift, just talking to somebody, how are you feeling? You know, how, how are you today? You know, and, and just having those sort of conversations, it's just really important because, you know, um, you know, you know, what if that, you know, what if they had a, a, a child and they'd had a really heavy night because the, because the baby was awake all night, you know, and they're coming in fatigued, you know, what if they, you know, there's there's so many different reasons that, that things can happen. And it's just by having those discussions, having those, those conversations and being, but just being seen as a, as, a, as, a, as an employer that cares, then... then... I think there's a, da- there's a danger that when employers concentrate on their policies and their procedures, um, that sometimes, that, you know, they overlook just the simple things of having discussions, mm. having an open environment. Um, so many times I see employers who have policies, they don't sometimes don't even know they have the policies, <laughs> and uh, they don't communicate policies to the workforce and they don't um, regularly review those policies or or, or or have informal discussions about the issues uh, so I, yeah it, it, it's important to have those regular discussions and also it's important that it's led from the top that you know it that the leaders of organizations take this on because if the leaders aren't talking about it then it often doesn't filter down through the organisation. Just to back up what Matt just said, I, I, in my job as a graphic designer, I've recently just done a staff handbook for um, a local company, a 100-page brochure uh, or handbook for um, you know, a staff handbook, and it mentions you know, slavery, sickness, mobile phone usage, um, all these kind of things. It doesn't mention menopause at all. That's and it's, 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 that's overlooked. You know, you can you can be off sickness, and it's, there's everything in there except menopause. And I've done probably half a dozen now. None of them mention menopause, and it's 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 wrong. How do we change that, Lee? How do we get more employers getting involved and actually doing what they? I don't want to say what they should be doing because that seems a little bit pointy finger, but what they could be doing to get this to get this right. Yeah, so I think obviously a lot of the work I do is around, you know, that well-being and facilitation. And sometimes it's about igniting curiosity within those leadership teams. Like I've been known to go to senior leadership team meetings and be a little bit disruptive and, you know, have some jaws dropping on the floor. And I'm talking about things that you wouldn't expect from someone who's referred to as like a young whippersnapper like you. Um, But ultimately, like from my perspective, I've heard so many women I've spoken to I thought I had early onset dementia I've been on antidepressants because they thought it was my mental health but it's not been 
you know, the doctors told me you're too young, come back again. Your you, doctors have completely invalidated everything that I've thought over the years. Uh, I've ended up on disciplinary. I've ended up on performance management. And, you know, it, it gets to a point where these stories build up within you and you become a bit of a conduit for those stories to other people. And from my perspective, again, it's, a, it's actually about that little education piece for everybody. Because if everyone's able to get that little bit of awareness and education, it just starts to normalize those conversations. There will still be a stigma attached because it's still a challenging topic to sometimes conceptualize and sometimes articulate uh, in, a, in a group setting. And we don't always need a specific menopause policy. Quite often it can be looking through the important policies that we do have through a menopause lens and seeing if they need to be updated in any way to make sure that you know that's that's a it's appropriate uh, but so often it is around the work to create those spaces for those conversations to happen and really see how things can start to be embedded and obviously for yourself Bev when people bring you in you start that process almost every client that you see you end up leaving a few men feeling okay so I've learned something and I can share it and I feel empowered to do so. And one of the biggest things in my work is seeing that men of my age, so I'm approaching 40, are actually a lot more curious. And, you know, both men of that generation will become in the future leadership teams of the future, the future managers. Um, if they are aware and have that curiosity and therefore are willing and feel capable to have those conversations of how can we support without invalidating you and hopefully moving into a world where things are more equitable from a gender perspective because you know the the, the women that I know losing that talent in today's market is a big big challenge because women have had to climb over a lot of barriers and obstacles to get to positions of authority and leadership within business. They develop really wide skill sets because they've been on that journey. And, you know, that the recent research that I was talking about with you, it costs 213% of the salary to replace them. That's a significant cost that can be, you know, mitigated by a little bit of mindfulness in your business, opening up some spaces and bringing in a little bit of education. And with that gradual normalization that we've seen in topics such as mental health in recent times, we can just start to move that dial and start to bring a little bit of action behind that awareness. So as a company, you can be there when you are needed and you can actually start to create a more open environment for other people talking about things that are generally stigmatized. And if we can create a little bit more transparency within our companies, and as Paul said, have leadership maybe start to share some of their own challenges. One of the biggest things that I've seen is that when men start to engage in this conversation, they become more open to us talking about their own sensitivities as well. And men do have certain challenges around not expressing emotion and not getting themselves checked out when they need to. And this can actually be a vehicle to not only the whole wider gendered health debate where there is significant inequality that needs to be addressed, but also help men to look after themselves and just become more curious about their own health and the health of the people they work with, they live with and they care for. I think what I'm hearing is vulnerability 
isn't it? Women have got to feel confident that they can show vulnerability if they've climbed that career ladder, that opening up about their menopause isn't going to be career limiting. And actually men need to be able to feel safe enough to, to open up about their own vulnerabilities without having to feel they've got this macho image that they need to to maintain in the workplace. I think that's so relevant. I can see a few comments coming in into the chat. Um, it's been a fascinating conversation. We've gone off in lots of different directions, but I think um, all relevant. I'd love to open it up. If anybody in the audience has got any questions, if you want to stick your hand up um, and feel free to, to ask any of the panel members or myself a question. Um, I can't see everybody. So if I don't see your hand, uh, come off mute and, and yell or drop something in the chat. I'm just going to have a quick look back. Um, uh, there's there's a few, there's a lot of comments here that say that it's a really good conversation. Lovely to hear the men talking about this. Um, let me just have a look. So Sarah's uh, saying it's really interesting. Never even heard of the perimenopause and all the around <laughs> forty symptoms. And I think that the, there is the fact that we I think men often think that we know about this and they're at the disadvantage because they don't. We don't know about this either. We don't get any education about this. So it, it catches us out and we don't get a huge amount of support a lot of the time from the medical world. Absolutely. And it, there's something, uh, Sarah, Sarah said, you know, it was a relief to find out she was normal. And I think that's the problem when we don't talk about this. We, we, we can feel very isolated. Philippa is saying it's a good conversation, encouraging to see the conversation opening up more and more. Elaine, uh, yeah, I, I, if, I'm not seeing any actual questions, but if anybody's got any, please do reach out and, and or shout out. Education is the key, but for all, women don't know either, absolutely. Okay, anybody got any questions or any thoughts? Go on, be brave, be brave. I've got, I've got a question now, Bev. So you know, I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, what, what, um, what do you focus in on when, when you go to, to a business then and talk to them? How, what is the, you know, what is the thing that you really focus on? I think for me, the, the main objective for any of my training is to get the conversation started, mm -hmm. um, and to break the ice, to open the, the door to allowing people to feel confident to be able to have conversations. And I think the very fact that as an external trainer, a company brings me in to talk about this, it's a bit like, I always think it's a bit like, you know, when your mum tells you something, you disregard it. But if your mum's best friend tells you something, it's really important. It's almost like bringing somebody in from outside gives a different layer of uh, validation to what's being talked about. But ultimately my objective is to really get the conversation started to, uh, to give, employees both male female senior junior you know across the board almost give that permission that actually in our organization it's okay to talk about menopause so let's see what we can talk about from here on and what i found with businesses as they've opened that door is that it then starts to be an organ almost like an organic self-generation of ideas within the organization as women will step up and say you know, this has been my experience. Let's anybody else want to join a, a bit, you know, jump on a Teams call and we can chat about this together. So we see support groups forming. We start to see men getting involved in, in, in the conversation where maybe because 
they hadn't been an open conversation before, they've never felt able to. So, I mean, there's more to it, obviously. We, we go down to more specific levels of training, but ultimately, if I can leave a, a business talking about it when I've left, and it's not just a 60-minute webinar that everybody, you know, clicks, uh, the, 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 the shut down this video nice. call and James forget about yeah. it. Um, that's, that's my objective. Yeah, that's fair enough. Is Dad at home? Uh, I think somebody, no. we're, we're okay. kind of hearing so, some yeah, Sean, James is just wants some sausage rolls. And Ooh. then I'm, I'll give you a shout on my way home. I, think, um, I can't I'm see who's it. Okay. Who's it? Yeah, it's not like it's Patrick. I think you know, might be able to mute her. <laughs> I can't see. I normally see a little love. I can't see everybody on the screen. But I hope the sausage rolls were really nice. Um, if nobody has got any questions, I'm quite amazed. Um, Beth, oh, can, I just, can I just highlight a couple of things? I, um, I mean, I'm sort of, I have a, a, an interest very much like the men, my partner, um, who was also called Tracy, spookily enough, um, has suffered with menopause for probably six, going on seven years now. Um, and I think for us, the two things really, one is that there is quite a lot of conflicting information out there, particularly in relation to things like um, HRT and the side effects around that. And I've actually put up a, a link to a program that was on Channel 4 last year with Davina McCall, which sort of, um, um, it might not have all the answers, but it certainly opens up the discussion and sort of gets people, I think, more interested to, um, to sort of research this a bit more. But the other thing I would like to sort of pick up on what, what the guys have, have uh, called out is is the need to talk um, and and I think yes the um, the mental health aspect of it in, in a relationship that are that are suffering with this and I don't and let's not forget about same-sex relationships as well where women are going through that as well um, but I, I think it's very difficult for relationships to um, to challenge themselves to talk about something like this when it's actually sort of kept in the closet for um, for very long periods and it becomes nothing more than a reason as to why a relationship uh, perhaps can be going into a bit of a spiral. In my own situation, the, the, the lack of libido, the, um, the sensitivity to the skin, um, there was a sort of very much lack of self-esteem that, that sort of progressed with, with this. Um, and, it, and it put a huge, huge stress on the relationship um, because then me as an individual was starting to doubt my attractiveness to my partner and thinking, well, actually, is this me? Particularly as it went on and has gone on for such a long period of time. So this thing about talking, which is very much the mantra for pretty much any mental health condition, um, I think needs to be brought to the fore. Um, I'm a mental health first aid instructor with Mental Health First Aid England, and there isn't that much that's provided on the Mental Health First Aid course in relation to menopause. And certainly there is no focus on the two-day course about menopause. It's very briefly mentioned in a 280 uh, page manual that, that gets given to individuals. So I think it's it's imperative that all people um, in all walks of life, however they engage on this subject, to actually raise the subject up um, so that we can actually talk about this and be open. 
Yeah, really, really good points. Thank you. Um, it, it must be a Tracy thing, maybe. It's, it, it, maybe there should be an HRT just for Tracys. Well, I um, think Paul and Tracy is a common is a common parent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hannah's asked a question: If someone is in a role outside of HR, health and safety, etc., so it's not in their remit to address this, how could they broach the subject with their employer if the organisation needs to do more? Lee, do you want to take that one? Yeah, so it, it's it's an interesting one. Obviously, it some when I see it in workplaces, sometimes it actually starts from within, from employee focus groups, from you know a group coming together to actually start to raise enough awareness for the organisation to actually then start to see what they can do more formally. Um, sometimes it's very much a case of being able to just pause that question to the people who are in that position to be able to start to look at what might be something that can be brought into the organisation. So often it's actually an ability to just pop, you know, pop that question and create that ripple. And, you know, some, some companies, I'll be honest, they're not really at a place of readiness to start doing some of the more intensive stuff around this yet. Um, but it's so often that case where, you know, some industries, it, de- it really depends on your company's culture. Uh, I go into a range of different SMEs of different sizes in different industries, and I find them at all, all sorts of different levels of readiness to go on a bit of a journey with this. Uh, but starting that conversation again from from a from an employee to employer perspective there's nothing stopping you reaching out and pausing that question about what can be done as part of the wider well-being dynamic because i think if there's one thing it does form part of the well-being agenda which is getting bigger around the inclusion agenda because it impacts you know gender equity in the workplace and around the sustainability agenda of having the right people in your business at the right time to sustain your performance. So sometimes it might be even making a little bit of a business case for it as you broach that with either HR or the senior leaders in your company. I think if, if you're a if you're a manager and you're struggling, you know, and you, you don't know how to broach it, just speak to speak to your HR, say, like, give me some guidance here. I, I, I want to be the best I can be. Um, at managing my team and I feel ill-equipped to be able to handle this and see what comes from that. Hayley's asking um, how do we how do we get uh, the men involved in a in a largely male-dominated workforce? How do you how do you engage them? I think I think relevance is a big problem here and I find certainly when I'm dealing with a lot of organizations where we put out training, uh, the wording has to be really clear that you know, this is an inclusive topic that it affects everybody. And the relevance to the men is that actually almost being flippant about it, get this right and your life will be easier. You know, at the end of the day, if you understand this, it, it's going to be better for you as well. But I think sometimes it's, I get it because if I, when I was working, if I'd seen something come up that was about testicular cancer, for example, I probably wouldn't attend because I don't immediately see the relevance to me but if that relevance was made clear, it, it draws people in. And I think also there's a bit of a domino effect. You might not get a great uptake the first time you do something, 
But the next time when the when the word has got out that that it was relevant, you'll get more people coming in. Let's have a look. Steve's saying great discussion. Thank you very much. Um, thanks for your honesty, guys. I, yeah. Uh, wife's recently gone on HRT. It's made such a difference. <laughs> Do you know what? HRT is, has such a bad reputation and I get it. There's been so much bad press. But that is certainly an area that I talk about when I go in and deal with a uh, talk to, to female colleagues is overcoming some of that, um, that, that misconception around HRT. Bev, um, there's a lady called Anita has got a hand up. I'm not sure if she wants to come. Oh, brilliant. Thanks, Colin. Anita, do you want to come off mute and jump in? Um, thanks, Colin. Um, thanks, Bev. Um, in relation to what Lee just mentioned um, about um, employers not willing to do the intensive stuff, which I can understand, I actually have a question um, for Matt. Matt, um, do you think that um, the recent announcement from Sadiq Khan announcing the sort of new menopause policy might help trigger sort of the more in, in, you know, intensive stuff in the workplace? Yeah, so just, can, sorry, can you just repeat that question again? Sorry. Yes, no worries. Can you hear me okay, Matt? Yes, yes, yes. Fine yeah, now, thank so, you. Um, Lee actually mentioned um, a really good point um, whereby, um, and I agree with him, um, not all um, employers necessarily work on the intensive stuff regarding menopause. Um, mm. They might skirt over it or have a policy um, that's you know updated to have a policy for the policy's sake. So um, do you think now um, with Sadiq Khan's um, recent um, announcement um, of the sort of um, menopause po policy might mm. sort of um, trigger or help employers to actually want to understand it better or even work with the likes of yourselves, you know, legal specialists to yes. really take this seriously? Mm. Well, I think the policies are are important and ha ha having a menopause policy um, is obviously important as well as considering having um, menopause considered in other policies as well. Um, but it, it's not just about the policies. There's always a danger, as I mentioned before, about relying on policies uh, when it's a lot more than that in terms of opening up the discussion and making sure that you know, the policies are regularly reviewed and communicated and that managers understand, you know, the issues that could be relevant. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. OK, well, we've lost a couple of our panel members because we, we are okay. over the six o'clock mark now. Um, thank you, everybody, for coming along and listening to what I think has been quite a fascinating conversation. Um, in terms of how do you keep the conversation going? Well, I'll be sending the recording of this out. So stick it on your website, stick it on your intranet. Uh, encourage people to come and watch this conversation. And uh, thank you so much to our panel guests. Uh, really, really great to hear your stories and your expertise. Thank you to everybody for coming along tonight. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk about something that I obviously think is quite close to my heart and have a real uh, passion around raising awareness of. So I will just bid you all good night and say thank you very, very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Beth. I really would like to thank Matt Gingell, Paul Kilby, Paul Thompson and Lee Chambers for, for coming on and being so open and honest and so 
so insightful uh, on a topic that, uh, as I said, a lot of people don't like talking about. More importantly, I'd like to thank Bev for for uh, bringing us all together because it was um it was a great opportunity to you know to to talk about this, and you know the, the women who who go through the menopause. Are, are, there's some amazing people out there who've got some fantastic skills and you know and they often get lost to to business they often often get lost to their families and and it just shouldn't happen and we should be there we should be supporting you know it's um it's it's had a huge impact on on my life with uh, with Tracy um and she is so much stronger now you know coming coming through the uh, through the menopause and uh, you know and I just want to be there for her because she's uh, she's an amazing woman who's uh, it was an instrumental part of the success that I've had in my life, um, and so you know, let's really champion this. Let's push this. Let's let's talk about it more. You know, this is what this is what it's about. Talking about it, get a better understanding. You know, the earlier that men can get an understanding about menopause, then the sooner they can actually start supporting. You know, the people that are important in their lives. So, look, thank you very, very so much for listening, and um, you know, we we'll keep on pushing. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Interesting Health and Safety podcast. You can follow and engage on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching the Interesting Health and Safety community or go to www.influentialmg.com. And remember, let's make health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilised in the real world as the only solution available, as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Colin Nottage. <laughs>